And when we say more life change, we tend to think of those big monumental moments, don't we? We think of the moment that maybe we got saved, the moment we got baptized, the moment you got married, the moment you had your child, these big moments. And we tend to look at our life in these monumental moments, which isn't a bad thing. Those are great, but they don't happen all the time, do they? And so if we're not careful, when I say more life change, that that's what we are all about, man, it can become a little bit of a, of, a, of a wishful thinking. You look at the top of the ladder and you're like, man, it'd be great if I could have that all the way up there, but that's just not me. That's not my life. There's no way I could get there. And we see other people around us and we see their more life change. And it's like, hey, high five, good for them. But I've not, I'm not regularly experiencing this more life change. And we will all go through changes, right? So it's not that we're not getting changes. If you don't think you've been through changes, just go and look at your middle school picture. I promise. No, no, no. I'm hopeful that you have all changed. <laughs> yeah, we, we've all gone through changes. We've experienced changes. But the more life change, the, the life that we have is, is no more because we've gotten something greater, something better, that abundant life that Jesus talks about. We don't always feel like we're getting that regularly. We feel like we might have to wait for that next monumental moment, which who knows how long that might actually be. But what I'm hoping you get out of this morning is we start a new series just titled that More Life Change, what it looks like for us to regularly experience more life change, that it happens in these small in-between moments. Small doesn't mean that they lack significance, though. Even though, yes, we want to celebrate the monumental moments, more life change is happening all the time in our lives if we lean into it and also if we're paying attention and we notice it. Simply, our church is not just about more life change, but we want to see that happen for each and every one of you. Not just a blanket general statement of more life change, but we believe that Jesus does and we want to continue to be used by him to see life change happen, that people's lives will never be the same. But I want that to be your story, not just you go to a church where that happens to other people, but you show up because you know Jesus is going to do that in your life. And if you lean in, it's going to happen every day of your life as you go through. So let me, let me show you this real quick. You don't have to turn there, but uh, I'm going to show you something out of Romans chapter 6, verse 22. It says this, But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Now, here's what that means, and we say this a lot, that our story consists of three parts. I was, then God, now I am. I was lost, then God, now I'm found. And, and we usually see those big monumental moments, and that's what Romans points out. It says, but now you are set free from the power of sin. And later on it says, then it'll result in eternal life. So I was broken, I was lost, but then God, through his one and only son, Jesus saved me, and now I have the hope and the promise of eternal life. So we see that there. But there's a part of this passage that we often miss and overlook. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. That's being saved. Church language is that's called salvation, right? If you were to think of the latter, there's your first step. You live your entire life the way that you want to live it. It's all about you. And then you come to a moment where you recognize, I need Jesus in my life. And so you, you raise your hand, you, you pray a prayer, you in your heart, you invite him in. And you take that very first and crucial step of, Jesus, you're now in my life. That's what Romans says you have to have as the first part. Now skip to the end. We know what the end is, right? You, you say yes to Jesus and you have the gift, you have the promise of eternal life. So that would be like way up there. 
That's what Romans 6.22 says. You're set free from the power of sin and you're slaves of God. In other words, you're his child. You have been saved. And it results in eternal life, but there's a middle part. Because the question that we want to ask is, well, what do I do between here and there? If, if I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, what am I supposed to do the rest of my life? What do I do until I get to heaven? Because hopefully that's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a long time. <laughs> I would like to enjoy my life, but what am I supposed to do as a Christ follower, as a believer? What do I do when I say yes to Jesus, but I'm not in heaven yet? Romans tells us, look at the middle part. It says, now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Now you do, what was it? Remember what the phrase was? Those things. I love how specific Paul is in writing to the church in Rome. But now you do those things. But he gives a description to it. He says, those things that lead to holiness. Holiness is an interesting word. If you look at what it literally means, it literally just means set apart. Another way to think of it is different. So you do those things that make you different. Not just different, but more different. If you've got your whole life here that you live for yourself and then you make that one decision to say yes to Jesus, you're already being set apart from the life that you once had. And what Paul is saying is now you keep doing those. You don't need to be saved again, but now you're doing those things that continue to make you more and more different, more and more set apart. Everything that you do, all of those, those things, the more you do, look how separated I become from the life that I once had. Every one of those things, I'm still not in heaven yet, but every single one of those things make me more and more different. The change is more obvious. The change is more apparent. Then one day you get to the end of your life and you're like, wow, I really am different. Doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. Doesn't mean we live a life of perfection. Holiness does not equal perfection. Holiness doesn't mean perfect. It means set apart. It means we're different. We're changed. And that change happens more than just on those monumental moments. Those changes happen every moment of every single day. For Peter, many of us know Peter, right? Uh, one of the disciples, one of the more famous disciples. In fact, this is the Peter that walked on water. The same Peter that Jesus said, Peter, you're going to begin the church. I'm going to make you the first pastor of the church. I mean, Peter had some great monumental moments, but he only had a handful of them. He only had a few of them. And I want you to see the very first one and how it began to move him to more life change. Not just in the monumental moments, but in the daily decisions as well. Just like most of us, it started on a very typical day. He didn't wake up expecting to have that kind of a moment. He didn't wake up expecting to experience more life change. But nonetheless, it was a typical day. In fact, it was a typical day after a very bad day of work. He had been fishing all night, hadn't caught a thing, and he's tired, he's cleaning up, he's ready to go home, and this is where we're gonna pick it up. If you got your Bible, head to Luke chapter five. Luke 5, we're going to start in verse 1. I'll put the scripture and the verses up on the screen behind me. Here's what happens. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, and they were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon Peter and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now understand what's happening here. Jesus is traveling around. This is early in Jesus' ministry. And people just want to hear from Jesus. The life and the words that he speaks, that's what people want to hear. 
And he's in this area, the Sea of Galilee area, and that's where Peter and his buddies, they do all of their work. They're fishermen. And they had just finished, again, not catching anything. So it says that they're washing their nets, they're cleaning up, they're ready to go home. But there's this huge crowd of people wanting to hear Jesus. So Jesus does something. He goes to one of those boats, one that is owned by Peter, and says, Peter, can I get in your boat and can you just kind of drive me out just a little bit into the lake? And the reason for that is kind of twofold here. The big reason is because the crowd of people couldn't hear Jesus, so it, was, it made perfect sense. He would move away from the people, put a little bit of space so that more people could hear him. So understand, Peter's first job for Jesus, he's not following Jesus yet. He hasn't done anything other than let Jesus in the boat. That's it. He hasn't walked on water. There's no grand promises of what this life will look like if he continues. Peter just let Jesus in his boat. He's tired. He's exhausted. Fishing hasn't worked out so well that night, the night before. And Jesus says, can I just get in your boat and can you push off a little bit to shore? And Peter says, okay. Peter says, yes. All, already starting to separate himself from a life before. That's that first step of saying, Jesus, I'll allow you into my life. Peter allowed Jesus into his boat. Peter said yes to Jesus. That's always our very first and the most crucial step of setting ourselves apart, experiencing more life change begins with allowing Jesus in. Jesus is constantly asking, let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. And the moment we say yes, it's the first of many life-changing moments. Verse 4, here's what happens next. When, he had, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. There's the bad night of work. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they both began to sink. So Peter says yes to Jesus. Had nothing to do with catching fish when he said yes. It was just Jesus asked if he could come in. I said yes. But then Jesus asked him to do something else. Right? Jesus says, hey, thanks for letting me into your life. Thanks for letting me into your boat. But now will you do this? Now will you go out and actually drop your nets in the water? And Peter's like, that doesn't make any sense, Jesus. I'm the fisherman. You're the rabbi. You're the teacher. But because you say so, something surely is going to happen. I'll, I'll trust you is what he's saying. And right there he says, I trust you. It's because of you that he takes then another step. And that second step is a monumental moment in the life of Peter. It's the moment he catches more fish than two boats can hold. It's a moment that he went from a terrible day at work to the best day of work of his life, from having nothing to having so much more. I'd say that's an incredible, monumental moment in the life of Peter. It was a moment of life change. Because now he's thinking, this is great. I don't have to work for quite a while. We've got tons of food. Man, if this Jesus guy stays around, we're going to be bringing stuff in all the time. This is a good partnership. This is a good deal. So it seems like that second step for Peter is a, good stop, is a good stopping point. And we usually get to that place. We get to a place where we say yes to Jesus, but we also look at how our life will look. And to this point, we can have feet in both camps. And when I say both camps, the life Jesus has for us 
and our life. By the way, can you tell which one's better? Yeah, okay, good. I don't have to explain that then. So you say yes to Jesus, but guess what? You can also still say yes to you. Did you know that? Theologically, you can be saved, but do what you want to do. Scripture says you shouldn't, because that's not the right heart posture. But if we say yes to Jesus, invite him in, we have the promise of eternal life, but we can still keep a foot in our own life as well. But then we know what Jesus does, just like he does in the life of Peter. He says, well, how about you do something else for me, Peter? How about you take your boat and, and go out and drop the nets? Peter says, that that's, doesn't make sense to me, but okay, it's you, sure. Goes out, drops the nets, and now he's got so many fish that both boats are falling apart and beginning to sink. And he's thinking, now this is the right spot. This has to be the right spot. I said yes to Jesus. He's given me tons of fish. I'm going to make a killing off of it. I'm good here. We love to stop in our faith here, which is kind of goofy when you look at how it actually looks. <laughs> and we even say, this is the comfortable spot. This is the good spot. I call this a functioning Christian because it means I have Jesus in my life, but I also have my life. I'm good at showing up on Sunday, and I'm also really good at everything else Monday through Saturday. I know to say the right things, but I also don't do all the right things. Now, this is not a talk, and this is what we're not seeing in Scripture, about perfection. It's about holiness. Holiness means what? Set, one more time, like you all actually remembered, set apart. Yes, holiness is? Okay, one more time. Let's wake you up. Holiness is? There you go. Holiness is about being set apart. At this moment, I'm not set apart from anything other than getting a little tired and I think I wore the wrong jeans this morning. That's about it. <laughs> Doesn't work, does it? No. We like to stay here, though. And we say it's comfortable. We say we can do both. But we know deep down this is not sustainable. Obviously. Eventually, we are going to have to choose. Eventually, you are going to have to choose because I'm telling you, there's no way I can go one more step over here. I'm done. This is as far as I can go. Eventually, you're going to have to choose. Peter's in a spot where he is about to have to choose. He has a ton of fish that he just got, but he also has his Lord starting to lead him in another direction. What do we choose? What do we walk away from? What do we walk towards? Because we can't do both. Look at what Peter does next. So after he got this boat full of fish thinking his life is great, his life is made, he's not going to have to work another day for quite a while. Verse 8 out of Luke chapter 5 says this. When Simon Peter saw this, saw what God had done through Jesus, he fell at Jesus' knees, knees and says, go away from me, Lord. Notice what he's calling him, master and Lord. Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon Peter, don't be afraid, for now on you will fish for people. Verse 11, look at this. Remember, he's in this spot, isn't he? He said yes to Jesus coming into his life. He's got a bunch of fish, but he also was recognizing, hey, there's something different about this Jesus. This is going to lead me in a different path. This is a different life. What am I going to choose? Look at this, verse 11. So they pulled their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Don't miss that. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, 
and followed him. Doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, when you look at the life that Peter might have had if he stayed over here. If he stayed over here, well, all the fish. Man, the, the work went from terrible to amazing like that. Peter, are you sure you want to walk away from it? Because when it said they left everything, I don't see anywhere in here that they loaded up all the fish, took the fish with them, and then followed Jesus. No, Peter just got the catch of a lifetime from a miracle by the Son of God, and he walked away from the catch to follow Jesus? Walked away from this for what you don't necessarily know? You don't know where this is going to lead. At this point, Peter has no clue what his life is going to look like. But there's something inside of Peter, like there's something in every one of us, that even though we see this and we dream of this and we even hope and wish for these things in our own life, the success, the status, the relationships, you name it, the things that we work so hard for, there's still something in us that says, I think the life with following Jesus will be better. Might not be easier. In fact, I'll probably tell you it's not going to be any easier. Climbing that looks a little harder than climbing this. They left everything. And followed Jesus. Can I encourage you and maybe even convict you a little bit (laughs) to not miss out on the life that Jesus wants you to have because you're comfortable in the life that you've created? I'm telling you, this this is relatively easy to do. It's in your control. I mean, you work hard enough. It'll, you'll, you'll get the money. You get the right job. You'll get the, I mean, these things, relatively speaking, you can do. This only happens when we lean into Jesus. But we get comfortable here. We see the results here. And we think, well, I can do both. I can function as a believer. Hey, I can be saved. And I've got the hope of eternity just like everybody else. But I also want all of this. Eventually, you're going to choose. Whether it's an intentional choice or it's just by you being unable to sustain the straddling of two lives. Eventually, Jesus is going to ask you or lead you in a way that you physically can't do both. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually cannot do both. And it's in that moment, like Peter, do we walk away from Jesus and hang on to all of our stuff? Or do we, like Peter, leave everything and follow him? At some point, that choice must be made. Must be made. Now, what's interesting is, like I said, Peter has no idea what the rest of this life is going to look like. And we talked about monumental moments like Peter had, several of them, the walking on water moments and and, and him seeing Jesus do some of these incredible miracles like feeding the 5,000. I mean, Peter saw and got to experience a lot of life changed through his life and following Jesus. And you would think that towards the end of Peter's life, that would be what he would talk about, right? Man, let me just remind you of the time that I walked on water. And you would expect Peter, who's also a preacher, you would tell him to like want to preach every Man, make sure that you get out of the boat and you walk on water. I might have preached that a couple times. I mean, you want to do those because the monumental moments are great to celebrate. But if you look at Peter's, Peter's final words, if you go to 2 Peter chapter 1, This is his final writing to the early churches. Final writing. This is the last letter that we get from Peter before he is martyred for his faith and reaches the top and experiences heaven with his Lord and his Savior. And there's a list that he gives here, and it's a very interesting list. It's a a charge to the early churches of, hey, the life that I've lived, here's what I want to charge you with also doing. 
Here's what I want to encourage you to lean into and also do between now and heaven. Here's what your life should look like. Here's where you start. Here's where you lean in. You want to experience more life change? Here's where you begin. And like I said, it's not a list that we would think of. This is about 35 to 40 years after he made this decision. The decision to go from, I've got both feet in, to that verse 11 out of Luke chapter 5 when he said, I'll leave everything and I'm going to follow you. Here's his list. Here's his list. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Here's Peter's, one of his final words. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And I want you to, if you're taking notes, circle, underline, highlight, add to your faith. Because that's what we're talking about here. Here's the beginning of my faith. And it is a crucial moment when we say yes to Jesus and we get salvation and the promise of eternal life. But Peter says, don't end that. That's not the end of something. That is the beginning of the rest of this. So he says, add to your faith. So every step past this is an add to your faith. Here's what he tells you to add. Look at this. Goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now look at verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, if you keep taking these steps, you'll get all the way up and you'll, you'll be the other side of that, productive and effective in your life. The more steps that you take, the more adding to your faith, you'll see that it actually is growing you and the people around you. But look at the last part here, verse 9. But if any of you do not have them, so let's go back here. If you don't have any of these, if you don't have any of these, look, you are nearsighted and blind and you have forgotten that you have been cleansed from your past sins. Here's what that means. If you stay right here, if you stay right here, there's not a lot of difference here, is there? There's not a lot of change that has happened. Why? Well, because I haven't gone very far up. <laughs> I haven't added to my faith as much. But the more steps you take, you get all the way up here, Man, that's high. <laughs> you get up here and you look down and you say, wow, that's a big difference. That's a big change. I have experienced a lot of life change. I've experienced more life change. But it was all of these little changes along the way that got me to this point. If you want to experience more life change, if you want to be, be in a spot to see how set apart you are, that's holiness, right? Holiness is to be set apart. You want to see how set apart you are? Do what 2 Peter says. Add to your faith. Continually add to your faith. Let me put that list up on the screen. Beth, if you put that list on the screen, this is another way to think through it. Take a picture of it, write it down. We'll post it on social this week. But let me walk you through some, some places to start. Because if I were to guess, there's a good chunk of you that are here this morning that are either here or here. You've said yes to Jesus, but you still got your life. You've said yes, and, and hey, he's Lord, he's master. Remember, that's what Peter called him. Peter called Jesus Lord and Master before he left everything. Keep that in mind. You can call him Lord and Master like this. And I think most of us probably are here because that's where we're comfortable at. But then Peter pushes us and says, but don't end there. Keep adding to your faith. And so he puts this list up. And let me walk through them because these are some great questions to kind of make it a little bit more personal, a little bit more real. He says, add goodness to your life. Well, what does that really mean? Here's a question to ask you. What are you known for? You're to talk to your coworkers. 
Well, what's Brian really known for? What's Brian like in the office? You'll get a really good gauge on if goodness is in your life or not. (laughs) And if they don't say anything, you just kind of get a look. That tells you a lot more as well, doesn't it? Goodness, what are you actually known for? Ask the people around you. Knowledge. It's not just about being smart. It's about being wise. Do you live your life with wisdom? Look at the choices that you make, the decisions. Look at the decision process that you have. Are you, there's nothing wrong with being spontaneous, but when it comes to big decisions, decisions that impact your life and the people around you, do you just make them because that's what seems right and feels good at the time? Or is there a process? Do you have wisdom? Do you have other people speaking into your decision? Knowledge. It says self-control. If you're not controlling yourself, who or what is? Who or what is? He said to add perseverance. Here's another way to think through that one. How do you respond when it's not easy? In other words, how do you respond to life? (laughs) How do you respond when life is not easy? Godliness. What area of your life are you keeping for yourself? In other words, these would be the obedience side. That's when, when Jesus said, hey, go out and drop your nets. That's part of godliness. That was that second step for Peter. Godliness, doing what Jesus tells us. Do you know what scripture tells us? Do you know the commandments? Do you know the beatitudes? Do you know the fruit of the spirit? Do you know them and do you lean into them? It says mutual affection. That deals a lot with kindness. Are you kind to others even when it's difficult? That's that whole love your neighbor thing. How well are you doing that? Then he says love. Mutual affection and love, different words there. Love, do you humbly and sacrificially put others first? That's what we add. At the end of Peter's life, he says, it's not about walking on water. It's not about seeing the miracles. It's not about performing the miracles. It's not about preaching to thousands of people and watch them come to Christ. No, the things that Peter calls out Goodness, kindness, knowledge and wisdom, godliness, perseverance. That's what he tells us in the early churches to add to their faith. The moment you're saved is the moment we begin more life change, and that happens through these things here. Now, that's not an exhaustive list, but here's what I would encourage you, because there's a lot. You read through this thing, and you're going to find a lot of things to add to your faith, the things that we do so that the Holy, Holy Spirit can develop in us, things like the fruit of the Spirit. Like I said, not an exhaustive list, but unless you have perfected all of these, I would start here. (laughs) How's that sound? (laughs) If you've got all of these down, great. Go to the Old Testament, start in the Ten Commandments. If you got all those down, then go and do the fruit of the Spirit. Keep going, because I promise we are a work in progress. You don't know where to start? Look at that list right there that we had up and say, which one do I not like to do? Start with that one. (laughs) Which one am I not doing very well? Start with that one. Begin with the small things in life, the daily decisions of life that lead to more life change. Your life will change fully, fully, when you fully follow Jesus. This moment right here, this step one, your life will never be the same. And I don't wanna diminish that. Your life will never be the same when you go from here to here. Because all of a sudden you are set apart and you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior and you have the hope of heaven. But there's so much more. There's so much more. Your life will never be the same when you fully follow Jesus, and it will continue to change. The more you follow him, the more you grow to be like him, the more, the more you add to your life. And again, these are everyday things. The patient moments, the kindness moments, the disciplined moments, the endurance moments, 
moments, the wise and, and, and knowledgeable moments, each of those moments give you moments of more life change. And it happens every single day. More life change happens in those small moments. My son, he had a, he had a large moment, a, a pretty big monumental moment in his life this last week, like maybe even some of yours. My oldest started kindergarten this last week. Whew, my goodness, my wife and I are doing okay. Thanks for asking Started kindergarten, and, and it has been building up to this from, you know, preschool and everything else when he, he began to get excited, and then we did all the bus roundups, and we got to the open house and saw his teacher and his school and everything, and then Thursday morning happened, and he gets up, and we get him dressed, and we have the back si backpack that's the size of him, and we walk him down to the bus stop, and, and here's him at the bus stop. We get him at the bus stop, and man, he's excited. He's absolutely ecstatic. Because it's a monumental moment, right? He's growing up. And as Connor and my other two, as they grow up, I've learned something. They're growing up to be more and more like me and my wife, Becky. For good or for worse, they're growing up to be more and more like me. In fact, my, my second, Cole, he's saying things more like me. Like, I'll tell him to do something, and do you know what he looks back at me and he says? How about this? <laughs> my wife looks at me and he's like, that's so what you say. <laughs> Or they'll do this, yeah, you know, right? They end their question with a right. Yeah, you know, right? And I'm like, oh, man, I do that all the time. But as a parent, you want that, don't you? Maybe not in everything. <laughs> but you want your kids to grow and to become more like you. We sang a song earlier that said that we are a child of God. Our Heavenly Father wants us to grow and to become more and more like Him. Yes, we're set apart from the world here but if you want to grow and become more and more like him, we add to our faith, like 2 Peter says, to grow and add to our faith, to become more and more like him. Last verse I want to read to you, and these truly are the last words of Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the last thing that we have recorded from Peter before he is martyred. He says this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The last thing that he says. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May we grow. May we not be okay with just, hey, I'm saved, I'm good, I'll see you in heaven one day. That's important. <laughs> it's a monumental moment. It is life-changing. But there's so much more that he wants for us. There's so much more that he wants to give us. But like Peter, we have to be willing to leave everything and follow him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for the life change that we receive because of what you do and develop in us. For what you have already done in our lives, that because of the cross and the empty tomb, we can have the hope and the promise of eternal life by simply saying yes to you. You are asking us if, you, if we can invite you in and, and would say yes to you, and so it's just a simple yes to you. It's a yes to that invitation. So if there's somebody here in this room, in this moment, that hasn't taken that first step, I pray that that would happen right here, right now. That it is as simple and significant of just saying, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. Just like Peter said, yes, Jesus, hop in my boat. But may we not end it there. May we continue to grow 
and to add to our faith so we become more and more like you, our Father. Jesus, may we not be content with just where we are. May we celebrate the life change that we have experienced, but may we desire more life change in the small and everyday moments. That more life change happens in those everyday life decisions. So may we start there to become more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.